Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk? Today we're going to talk about the Young Black Leadership Summit at the White House melted the White House. The Trump agenda actually explains the impeachment. Peggy and Mitt unhinged and 2020 people saving America. And I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This past Friday in Washington, President Trump held a summit at the White House. It's called the Young Black Leadership Summit. And first of all, the White House was filled with young black Americans, excited, exuberant, thrilled to be there. President Trump held, and Vice President Pence were there, and they held a long summit. President Trump spoke, many others spoke. This is just a, you know, a danger sign to the hilt, to the American left, because President Trump is connecting with, listening to and talking with conservative black leaders. I'm gonna start first with a short clip by Candace Owens. She spoke at this summit, and then I wanna go on and play a few other clips because I really wanna give you the flavor of what went on in the White House last Friday. So we have, here we go, Candace Owens. Brought me to tears as I was reading uh, the news. I was reading a story about a young boy named Tyshawn Lee, um, a name that people won't be familiar with. This is not a name that spread all across the nation instantly. Um, Tyshawn Lee uh, was a nine year old boy uh, living in Chicago. He left his grandmother's house because he wanted to go play basketball in the park, and he was playing basketball by himself in the park. Uh, Tyshawn Lee was approached by an adult man uh, who came up to him playfully and grabbed the ball and began playing with him. And then eventually this older adult man lured him away from the park uh, with the promise that he would take him to the store and, and buy him whatever he wanted. So he followed this adult man into an alleyway and he was instantly, Tyshawn Lee at nine years old, shot point blank uh, a few times and murdered. He was murdered, uh, it was gang related. They were after his father, so this was, con this was a gang hit to go after this young boy. Disaster, an absolute sad, sad disaster that brought tears to my eyes because uh, he was only in the fourth grade. You know, unbeknownst to most of this world, this story happened and the reason that we don't know about it, the reason that there was no wall-to-wall -wall coverage and national sensation about this story, by the people who, who claim to care about the senseless ending of black lives is simply because it didn't fit the media narrative. That's it. He was killed by another black man. So it didn't fit the media narrative to be outraged about this story. Black on black crime is something that our media tells us that we're not allowed to talk about. Over 93% of black homicide victims are killed by other black people. We are not supposed to be outraged and we're not told to remember the names of those victims. Because if we begin to focus on that area, something that is causing real harm and devastation to our communities, we might uncover the truth. And that's, the truth is that this is all by Democrat design. Our inner cities are all by Democrat design. Like Chicago, like Baltimore, and like Detroit. 
They have been run by Democrats for decades. We have been made to believe that the conditions in our cities are normal. We're supposed to turn a blind eye to the corruption, to the crime, to the gangs, and instead focus on what our media deems of more importance. We are instead told that we should be focusing on white people. We're supposed to be reactive and angry and fearful about white supremacy, when in fact, it is liberal supremacy that is harming our communities. Okay, folks, that was a little long for a clip, but it's just so profound. She's making this point on national television in the White House in an administration of under President Trump where she and all these other young black leaders at this summit that they attended this past Friday, this black leaders uh, in, in the White House summit, conservative leaders, this summit is striking fear in the heart of the Democrats because in addition to her making points that the mainstream media always carrying the left's water for them, always carrying the left's water, the mainstream media never tells you stories like that, never tells you statistics like that. Do you honestly think that you'd be so outraged by the stories the media pushes if more often they made the points that she's making there? So Candace Owens at the summit, Two other things happened at the summit. I watched quite a bit of it this morning. Honestly, it was heart melting, and I mean that in the most serious way, heart melting. President Trump had present in that summit at the White House last Friday, leaders from campus organizations who are trying to bring the conservative message to their campuses. They were, they were people who were uh, part of Turning Point USA, Charlie Kirk's organization, the one that he and Candace Owens worked on together. And now Candace Owens has branched off and is working more in more direct way on Blexit, the black and Latina exit from the Democrat party. But there were Charlie Kirk was at this summit and some young leaders at this summit. And if you see when the next clip I'm gonna play is President Trump speaking to the summit, he really was getting to the heart of the idea of commending these people, young black Americans, for being brave enough to think, brave enough to speak the truth, brave enough to come forward and stand for the truth on college campuses where it is simply enormously unpopular to embrace conservatism, to dismiss the white supremacy argument of the American left to argue that conservative ideas are better. He praised these young people. I want to play the President, clip, President Trump's clip next, which I believe, Matt, the very wonderful, uh, is clip one. Here is Trump talking to this group at the White House this past Friday. Or Terrence or Candace, you're all special people, very, very special people. And uh, you're doing something very important. I don't even know if you know, maybe you don't know. And you know, sometimes you're so, into something and you, you just don't really feel how important it all is. What you are doing is so important for your community and for this country. We will renew the values that unite our people as one America. As one team, we will build up our nation. We will lift up our forgotten communities and we will defeat any threat. We will beat any challenge. We will overcome every obstacle and we will achieve a glorious future of American greatness beyond our wildest dreams. And that's what you're doing. To everyone here today, keep up the great work. And I just want to say, from the bottom of my heart, God bless you, God bless your families, and God bless America. Thank you. 
you notice a woman behind President Trump. She had uh, kind of gray and black dreadlocks, really beautiful young woman, very, very long dreadlocks. She also spoke, I mean, I mean, down like below her waist, level dreadlocks, stunningly beautiful hair, beautiful face. She spoke to thank President Trump for giving her the, uh, and, and also uh, Charlie Kirk and Turning Point USA, for giving her the courage, the ability to speak on her campus to say, I believe in conservative values. Stunning, stunning conference has to strike the, heart, the fear in the heart of so many Democrats when young people start to grasp that liberal ideas have destroyed black America. Uh, I want to do a, a short aside about the conference and come back to, to play one last clip from the conference, which was a young woman who got who asked to speak. She uh, she wasn't actually on the agenda, but she asked to speak at the end. This is a woman who is a uh, native native from Africa, came to America, raised in a Christian family in America. Play her in one moment. But I'll tell you one quick story. The American left works so hard to inject the race issue into every single conceivable issue. Every issue they talk about in this country on the American left, whether it's border security, taxes, environmental policy, international treaties, whatever the issue is, the left claims is tied to race. It's always tied to race for them, not because it has any logical connection to race, not because there is a racial element to the issue, but because the left has figured out that accusing other Americans, accusing conservatives, accusing President Trump, accusing Republicans of being racist in some circles in America, especially circles that are vulnerable, circles that are less informed, people who are less involved and active in the world, that message of just spewing the accusation of racism against everybody on the other side of the political aisle, it works. My husband and I had dinner uh, last week with two, a couple really close friends, longtime friends, and they are black and they are conservative Republicans and Christian, and they love President Trump. So we had an interesting talk at dinner about all the issues all we ever talk about is politics. We talk politics the whole time, but and they were telling us that they are, you know, this is a fabulous, young, extremely successful, hardworking, professional couple. They were telling us that when they, even their family, when they go to Thanksgiving dinner with the extended family, they can't talk politics because most of their family members, they're both black, so most of their family members are Democrat voters. And they were saying, you know, even if you can get them to agree, well, of course, everything's better under Trump. We're securing the border. Jobs are coming back to America. The economy is strong. Our taxes are lower. Our children are finding jobs. Lowest black unemployment rate ever. They can agree to all that. But these relatives of our friends would say, but, but we can't vote Republican because Republicans are racist. You have to understand how deeply that lie has permeated the black community in America and therefore how extremely profound it is that President Trump held this conference at the White House and let America see these precious young faces talking about their love of America, their support for President Trump, their support for conservative policies and values. Final little clip from the summit last week at the White House. This is a young woman, as I say, she wasn't scheduled to speak. I didn't you know, play all the lead into it, but she actually was, you can see the thing is over, they're all kind of waving from the stage, and this young girl is trying to get President Trump's attention, asked if she can come up and talk, and here she is. This is a young woman from Indiana. I'm not, I'm, I'm not really good with prayers or anything like that, but I just want to say thank you, Mr. President. And I know we have a political warfare right now, but I strongly believe that it is a spiritual one as well. And I want to make, <laughs> and I want to make sure that, I mean, <clears throat> I know that 
Americans are gonna wake up and we're gonna get back to looking to God instead of social media and we're gonna look back to Jesus because Jesus saves and this country was founded upon, the, the Constitution was built on godly principles and we're gonna fight for that and I just wanna encourage you guys to pray every single day for this nation. I want you guys to pray and pray and pray. Um, you know, she, she goes on and on. She actually led the White House in prayer. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, I realize it's going to take too long, but she led that room in prayer. It was heart melting. And she's a young girl. She's actually not from America. She uh, was a native, either Ethiopian or Somalian. I think Ethiopian uh, was adopted by a family in Indiana, raised here in America, loves this country, loves conservative, loves the Constitution, loves President Trump. This is, you know, a, a, a dagger to the heart of the Democrat Party, that conference. I love that President Trump held it. And I hope that all of you can share these videos. If you go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, on the homepage, under shows, drop down, list of links. The link to the entire White House conference is there. And you can watch the whole thing. Spread it to your you know, closest 1,000 friends. It would be a great, great way to be uh, politically active right from your desk at home. And that, my friends, is today's first five. I want to turn and talk next about the Trump agenda explaining impeachment. And I really want to dig in a little bit about what President Trump talked about when he ran and how exactly what he talked about is exactly what he did and is doing and is exactly what is driving this impeachment. This impeachment effort and the Democrat Party in Washington has nothing, zero, zip, nada to do with the phone call President Trump had with Ukrainian President Zelensky. It has to do with President Trump executing on the agenda that he ran on. You may remember that when President Trump was running or candidate Trump was running, many people on the left, and even after he won, many people on the left were saying that, you know, he just did it as a stunt, as an advertising tactic to get his name out there, um, that it was a, a lark, a fluke, you know. He thought about going golfing that day, but instead decided to run for president. I mean, just really trying to dismiss the importance of what caused him to run. But I want to your attention to his uh, one of the most famous speeches he made during his campaign it was in October 2016 so it's a month before the election this was in Florida and in that speech in Florida he really signaled many serious agenda items many serious he issues he saw on the table in America and was committing in his campaign in this speech if you elect me I will tackle these issues and then he did some of those issues were things like the fact that the people of America, their need and desire for jobs, for self-worth, for a sense of self-reliance, self-sufficiency, had been robbed by the administration's decades of Washington ruling elite, much more happy to make trade deals with other countries or groups of countries that were a benefit to wealthy people, wealthy conglomerates, wealthy corporations, wealthy institutions in this country that the trade deals did not have at their heart the interests of the American people. So he talked very bluntly in this speech. He talked about the idea that our country is run by people um, are, who are wiping out the wealth of our country, uh, that we have a pocket full of hand, a large, excuse me, pockets of a handful of large corporations and political entities who really are driving our economic decisions instead of economic decisions being driven by how do we help the people. He talked very openly and, and astonishingly bluntly 
and insightfully about the power of the Clintons and the Clinton power machine and the Clinton having uh, doing their pay for play stuff. Uh, so they ended up with a Clinton foundation where people who wanted political favors could make a donation, personally enriching Bill and Hillary um, and their daughter Chelsea and not accomplishing much of anything except buying political connections. He talked at great length about the ISIS uh, creation uh, caused by Obama, uh, Obama policies, Clinton policies, and how ISIS has led to the, the death of so many innocent people around the world, including American troops. He talked about uh, America, uh, Obama, letting in radical Islamic terrorists to our country by the thousands. They were going to stop doing that. He basically came down this speech and said, we're going to readjust, we're going to have a policy of America first. What he was getting at, he didn't, you know, in this speech, quote the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence, but he got at the founding idea of America, that our idea, our country's reason for existing, are the ideas set out in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, the simple notion that each of us has a right to live in liberty. That we have the right to pursue our dreams. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness are God-given rights. The government exists to protect those rights, not to manage them, orchestrate them, manipulate them, or crush them. And that we have for too long, for decades in our country, allowed the power of the federal government to grow to the point you have massive regulatory burdens on businesses, whether it's large corporations or little mom and pop businesses, small business America trying to make a living for their family. You had uh, regulation after regulation after regulation, crushing the possibility for free Americans to live freely, to function freely, to grow their businesses. So he talked a lot about cutting back on that regulatory burden. And he didn't, at that speech, I don't believe, talk about socialism directly, but the whole growth of the federal uh, bureaucratic state, the federal government just growing in power and scope and influence and never, ever, ever giving the uh, precedence or concern about the idea, what, what all of the, what they were doing does to the idea of of human liberty, per, uh, the personal liberty that we are guaranteed in our founding document. So Trump came along, upset the apple cart by winning that election. What he did did not just upset the Democrats in Washington or the Democrats in America who thought they were going to have President Clinton. He upset decades long of established ruling elite patterns of governance, patterns of operation, patterns of growing uh, control over the economy. We, be, we were headed way down the path of a government-controlled economy instead of a free market-controlled economy. We were led more, we had decades of, and far worsened under President Obama, abandoning of the problems at the border, failure to enforce border security. We had masses of people very intentionally orchestrated by the American left coming across America's border. Insufficient system to stop them, insufficient system to hold them long enough to go through a hearing to discover if they possibly qualify for our asylum laws, letting them loose into the heartland of America, only to have most of them never ever turn up again for their hearing. This was an intentional invasion of America, permitted, orchestrated, intended by the American left. President Trump called this out in a way Candidate Trump called this out in a way no one had. It was a he was an America altering speech and an America altering election. So President Trump comes along. He has upset the apple cart big time in Washington. Upset the agenda of the globalists. Upset the agenda of the people who thought they're going to orchestrate the whole international community and international economy by the deals they can arm twist America to sign and other big countries to sign. And Trump came back and said, "No, America matters." 
That's the thing. America matters. And so we Americans, said Trump, are going to put our people's interests first. We're going to secure our border. We're going to get out of bad trade deals and make better trade deals. We're going to get out of these crazy treaties that the American left got us into. The Iranian deal, which enabled Iran to develop nuclear weapons using money we handed them. And the climate deal, which was nothing more than a wealth redistribution scheme labeled climate change deal and that we got the the left got away with that too under obama and trump just he has stepped up he has changed to say the least changed the patterns of power in washington so this is what is driving the american left and if i had to break it down i would say three things are driving them this massive effort to change america when i say when trump's trying to change america He's trying to make America, America again. He's trying to shift massive legislation, regulation, policies, practices, government power, shift the power back to the American people and shift the priority or the primacy of the idea that our policies are in place to protect the American people. So Trump, wanted, he ran on this idea of we're gonna, we're gonna put America first, which means a massive disruption of, of entrenched power, both sides of the aisle in Washington. And then during the campaign, you had the American left, and probably some on the right too, but people inside the CIA, to clear, pretty clear Brennan was involved orchestrating, CIA, FBI, and DOJ working very hard to orchestrate the failure, the loss of President Trump of his campaign, working to set up the whole uh, Russia-Trump uh, collusion theory, the whole dossier thing out of Russia, orchestrated, paid for by Hillary. You had the effort of the, uh, the uh, FBI to literally make application to the FISA court for warrants that based on lies, which it appears they knew were lies or had, or had no reason to believe were true, you had them pursuing that. You had an orchestrated coup against the president even before he took office. And then once he won, the continuing effort to take him down the entire Mueller investigation, but was driving impeachment today. Those other efforts were other ways that Democrats are trying to get rid of Trump. What was driving impeachment today is their gut level fear that Attorney General Barr and Durham, who's doing the investigating for Barr, the uh, U.S. Attorney Durham, that those people are getting very close to the jugular. They're getting very close to exposing what went on inside the FBI and the DOJ and the CIA and they're getting close to being able to indict people, to have the American public finally see the full picture. Now, if you listen to this show, you know a lot of the full picture we've talked about so many times, but this is what's driving the impeachment of President Trump. It is, he upset America's established power base in Washington. He's about to, through his Attorney General Barr, expose this entire coup against him. And the third thing is the Democrats stumbled onto the idea that they could turn America against President Trump by their endless efforts to call him racist, to make up racist names and, and characterize every decision he makes, every policy he issues as racist. The Democrats have been working to turn the American people against President Trump because they've wanted him out since before he even won the election. This Zelensky phone call has nothing to do with their effort. They 
lucked into the fact that President Trump has a extremely strong personality. He's brave, he's relentless, he speaks up, he doesn't shut down, he doesn't back off as every Republican I can remember has done in Washington for a long, long time. President Trump stands his ground. This drives the left nuts. The Democrat media mob in Washington are used to running the show. They're used to issuing the final verdict. They're used to get the, setting the narrative, telling America, this is what you must believe, this is what you can't believe, and President Trump is not backing down and he's using the tools he has available to him, which include, of course, his Twitter account to keep America informed about things that they otherwise would not even know or understand. Now, I'll tell you, on the specific uh, impeachment you know, issue of the day, they're on to, they're on to this, this whole issue of the Ukraine and Zelensky and, and Trump. I've been over it several times in the show before, but in short, if President Trump asks the Ukraine to reopen an investigation, they closed because Joe Biden, as sitting vice president at the time, arm twisted the Ukrainian government, threatened to withhold a billion dollars in US aid unless that government would fire a prosecutor looking into Biden's son. That is what actually happened. So when Trump goes to Ukraine saying, hey, why don't you investigate this again? You know, he has done nothing more than say, you know, you ought to be investigating this thing. You got, you know, the, the previous administration arm twisted you and threatened you, but I think you ought to feel free to investigate. A couple of quick developments on that just to understand. Uh, the former Ukraine envoy, Kurt Volker, was supposedly going to be the big savior to the Democrats. He was going to play out to Congress in his testimony, say, hey, you know, uh, yes, it was terrible. Uh, you know, they were hoping Volker was going to help the left's narrative that Trump really arm twisted and Volker has not at all helped them in the slightest. He actually testified on Thursday. This is Ambassador Kurt Volker testified on Thursday. He was never aware, never took part in any effort to push the Ukrainian government to investigate former Vice President Joe Biden or his son Hunter. He also stressed the interactions between Giuliani and Ukrainian officials were facilitated not to find dirt on Biden, but to assuage concerns that the incoming Ukrainian government would not be able to get a handle on corruption within the country. Is, is this, uh, I mean, he went on, Volker, his testimony was just complete disaster for the Democrats. He didn't help the Democrats at all. And you know, this effort to get Trump out now, their latest effort to say, well, now it's just, it's, this is following on the heels of, the Democrats trying to raise the emoluments clause uh, and then trying to raise the Electoral College and Stormy Daniels and the Rush Trump collusion, the Mueller report. This is the left saying we are desperate to get this guy out of office. Des and the Ukrainian government, by the way, Ukrainian government has even come out saying, you know what, now that we think about it, we are going to look into this investigation of Biden's son's company. We only shut it down because we got arm twisted by the American government to do that. So Ukrainians want to look into the scandal that forced their government in order to keep access to a billion dollars in US aid to fire a prosecutor who they didn't want to fire. Trump's got the upper hand, folks, and this is a, we have to understand this impeachment is really all about Trump following through and what he said he would do. He's reducing corruption, he's exposing corruption, he's reducing regulation, he's freeing up the American economy, he's bringing jobs back to America that the left tried to say could never, ever, ever come back. 
He has exposed the whole, you know, the Obama years when Obama was mocking pre the idea that, you know, people just because they're upset about losing their jobs to manufacturing going overseas to China and India, and they, as Obama said, cling bitterly to their guns and their Bibles. Obama in that speech was mocking people concerned that in the heartland America were losing jobs. So his answer was to mock them. Trump's campaign was an answer to that attitude that Obama displayed in that. And even Hillary Clinton's campaign, when she was talking about the deplorables, everybody who kind of wants their country back is deplorable. And President Trump, again, in that speech, it isn't the only speech he ever gave that was wonderful, but it was a great speech, October 2016 in Florida, laid out what he wanted to do, and he's following through on that, and that is indeed what is driving the left crazy. I also want to talk today about, uh, I used the caption of uh, Peggy and Mitt Unhinged, but I really want to dig in a little bit about, you know, when you're, for most of my life, when you're a conservative, you're a Republican, you turn to some people that you think are pretty good thinkers, pretty good pundits. And so you had, you have, I mean, one I've always deeply admired is Peggy Noonan. She was President Reagan's speechwriter. She's a regular columnist in the Wall Street Journal. She was one who I believe wrote the, uh, the pre famous President um, Reagan's speech of tear down that wall. She may have also been the one who wrote that, I think it's called Point Hawk speech, another just, you know, Reagan speech about just, you can't even get through it without getting teary. It was so profound and strong. So she's been looked to because she's a brilliant writer and a brilliant columnist. You look to her to get a sense of things outside of the direct political candidate or elected official world. However, she, in my opinion, has completely lost her mind. I just want to read a quick clip, from, a description of her, what she had to say in a recent Wall Street Journal, again, description of the Trump White House. In the Trump White House, in the Trump White House, you hear media pundit after media pundit saying that it's chaos on fire there, it's out of the control, it's awful, it's horrible, it's just ridiculous. And the White House is, you know, just infighting all over the place. And so how she described it in, in a recent, she's writing columns, this Republican columnist, Peggy Noonan, writing columns encouraging the Democrats to impeach Trump. She says in the start of her column, we've grown used, she describes the White House, we've grown used to daily bedlam, nonstop freak out that is the Trump White House. And she says uh, his, his language is especially bad this week, calling it treason, a coup, a hoax, and a fraud. The whole whistleblowers thing, which is a coup and a hoax and a fraud. It is all those things. Um, and she just goes on and on mocking President Trump, mocking the White House, mocking the idea that President Trump is, is you know, legitimately doing anything right. She is encouraging the Democrats. crash. She's trying to help them figure out how to do this impeachment right. She called her article, Can Democrats Take Impeachment Seriously? She's encouraging them to impeach a Republican president. She's basing her sense of what happens inside the White House from reading other idiotic journalists and pundits who continually try to portray to the American people going right along with a left-wing agenda that Trump shouldn't be president, describing the White House as chaos. I wanted to share with you that over the weekend, my husband and I had the opportunity uh, to be with a uh, longtime friend who actually works in the White House, works closely with President Trump, Vice President Pence, is there all the time. And she was telling this group who we were with, she was essentially, this friend of ours is telling us how the White House 
is nothing like what the media describes. It's nothing like that. It is a, she said, it is not chaotic. It is full of people who are on task, on mission to do what Trump asked them to do. On track, on mission, what to do what Trump promised he would do. I use the October 2016 speech as one example. What so Trump said he would do, he would drain the swamp, he would clean it up, he would fix things here, he would, you know, he would take charge, he would get rid of these ridiculous level regulations and reduce taxes, and he would secure the border. He would do all sorts of great things, and he's doing those. The Trump White House is nothing like what the Democrat media mob tell America every day. It is not this chaotic, crazy place. It's filled with people determined to help in the mission that President Trump launched. So I really want to, I mean, Peggy Noonan, I may take her on more often because she is one I used to listen to and respect. And I truly think she's just drunk the swamp Kool-Aid. The swamp in Washington, which includes many in the media, want very much to have America think the White House is out of control, crazed. And I'm telling you folks, the White House and President Trump are pursuing exactly what President Trump said he would do. That's the Peggy portion of our Peggy and Mitt segment today. On Mitt Romney, there was, you likely heard, Mitt Romney has just, uh, you know, gone on steroids attacking President Trump. Mitt Romney has, uh, you know, gone after Trump, especially in this Ukraine call. And I don't have his quote in front of me, but it was something to the essence, Romney's quote, something to the essence of, you know, this is true, it's very, very, very serious. Now, this may call for impeachment. You have a lot. So Romney's, you know, can't wait to get Trump. Romney, the patrician, nose in the air, you know, executive branch elite guy who, who just has you know, is, is cold and has a, a sense of the ruling class and he's one of them and you're not, you're just a pedestrian. He could not win. He could not win the presidential election in 2012 because he is not warm, not engaging. But the real reason he couldn't win in 2012 is because he would not fight. Romney does not have a fighter's heart. He has a surrenderer's heart. He has the capitulator's heart. Romney is a guy who goes to Washington as a senator now from Utah to join the ruling elite class to pontificate about how wonderful he is and how wonderful, you know, his allies are and terrible Trump is. So, you know, he's been attacking Trump ever since he's been a senator. And Trump got a little feisty with his text messages this week. I want to share some of those. Um, I, I believe Matt the Wonderful has uh, the first one. Let's see, where are these here? Oh, yeah, first one is uh, clip three. So this is uh, President Trump's tweet. I'm hearing the great people of Utah are considering their vote for their pompous Senator Mitt Romney to be a big mistake. I agree. He's a fool who's playing right into the hands of the do-nothing Democrats impeach Mitt Romney. He went on with another one, another tweet, President Trump, another tweet saying, uh, essentially, uh, somebody please wake up Mitt Romney and tell him that my conversation with the Ukrainian president was a congenial and very appropriate one, and my statement on China pertained to corruption, not politics. If Mitt worked this hard on Obama, he could have won. Sadly, he choked. Third tweet, and then I'm gonna get to why I'm I want to I'm so critical and down on Mitt Romney and on the attitude he suggests he uh, represents. Third one, Mitt Romney never knew how to win. He is a pompous A-word who has been fighting me from the beginning, except when he begged me for my endorsement for his Senate run. 
I gave it to him. And when he begged me to be Secretary of State, I didn't give it to him. He is so bad for the R's. I have to tell you folks, this is the kind of stuff that the pearl-clutching, hand-wringing Peggy Noonan despise. Because what you hear in those tweets is President Trump fighting back. You, he doesn't sit up in the Oval Office and have decorum and statesmanlike words at all times as his highest mission. He has his highest mission to make sure Americans understand what Mitt Romney is all about and what he, President Trump, is trying to do, which is to drain this massive swamp. So Trump puts those tweets out there. I know some people are probably very, very critical of them, and he shouldn't talk that way as a fellow Republican. Mitt Romney is talking about supporting the impeachment, to be clear. He may use polite words, his patrician, egotistical, uh, you know, statesman attitude and speak with his nose in the air and, and, and uh, using language and tone that conveys a very, very serious uh, constitutionalist here. He's talking about impeaching the overwhelmingly present, uh, overwhelmingly elected president of the United States, the one the voters wanted, who has maintained his uh, high way high support from his own party throughout his administration and is somehow to Romney and somehow to people like Peggy Noonan. The left can do anything. Biden can do what he did in the Ukraine. Hillary can do what she did in the Ukraine. Hillary can do what she did in Russia. You can have corruption inside the FBI, inside the DOJ, all that can happen. But by golly, you better not have the president defend himself. How un unprofessional, how unpresidential. I'm telling you, oh, Mitt Romney, by the way, Trump was right. I, I look back, there was some polling about, um, about uh, Mitt Romney. Uh, the great people of Utah are not at all happy. They rated all of their, both of their U.S. senators and all their members of Congress and all their state legislators, and Mitt Romney came in last. The majority of people now who answered the question, the poll was, do you support, not support, or I don't know. Romney won his election by, with 63% of the electorate, which is probably just pretty much a Republican majority that they have in that state. But 40% in this, in this Utah poll of 4,000 voters, I think it was, 40% are deeply unhappy with Mitt Romney. 40%. He won 60, 40% of the voters, deeply unhappy, 38 are happy, the rest of them don't have a clue, which is really kind of a pathetic thing. But I want to get on this idea that the Mitt Romney and Peggy Noonan idea are all about playing along with the media left-wing narrative that says Trump is a bad man, he's embarrassing, he shouldn't do this, and they are willing to sacrifice the entire agenda of President Trump, the entire putting America back on track to being a, the, the America that's supposed to be strong and free and looking out for the needs of its people and creating policy that preserves jobs in America, that preserves our country as a nation. So this is an era where these kinds of attitudes are conveyed by allegedly Republican people. They need to be called out and criticized because they're not really standing with the American people, not even standing with the Republican voters of America who want the agenda President Trump promised in October 2016 and is executing on today. Last story for the day about the people saving America in the 2020 elections. I, I just got to tell you a couple quick things. Throughout this presidential uh, throughout the time President Trump has been president, the media has been on his case, even during the campaign and after he won. We're supposed to all believe that the president was corrupt, 
that there was Trump-Russia collusion. Okay, he didn't collude, but he obstructed. Okay, he didn't obstruct, but there's an emoluments clause. Okay, but he did this, he did this, and now they're on onto this impeachment thing. This is a, an effort of the American left to so tarnish this president, to so confuse ignorant voters who don't learn the facts, don't figure out the facts, and who people who conclude, well, there's so much talk about impeachment and so much allegations of something about wrongdoing, he must be doing something wrong or all these people wouldn't be coming forward. And some new whistleblower idiocy might come forward again next week. And, and that probably, uh, say many people, eventually will probably mean something is wrong. We need to be, it is a time for thinkers on our side of the party, side of the aisle, time for thinkers, it's time for people to speak up, to recognize this is an effort to destroy not President Trump personally. It's an effort to destroy his agenda, his pro-America, stand up, reassert the identity of America, reassert the strength of America. That is what this impeachment effort is all about. The effort to squash smother the Trump agenda of restoring America's greatness, of restoring America's power, of restoring America as a nation who creates policies of every kind that are about preserving our nation's strength and the health and well-being of our citizens. That's what the Trump agenda is, and the left is fighting that. Understand that's what uh, was on the table it's in 2020. Doesn't matter which of the parade, you know, clown car fools wins the Democrat nomination for the president. The Democrat Party is driven to, determined to drive America over the cliff to socialism and over the cliff of globalism to abandon the idea of America. The very idea of America, the meaning of freedom is on the ballot in 2020. Do not get duped by what the Democrats are doing. I wanna tell you a quick survey, which is kind of very, very interesting. Um, there's an MIT uh, researcher, yeah, two last things before we get to why it matters to you. An MIT researcher, he's probably gonna get fired for doing it, but an MIT researcher named Alexandra Agadajian, he posted research, he did a big research piece about voters in swing states. He posted, I couldn't believe they actually ran it in the New York Times, but it basically revealed that in the swing states, the heartland voters of America, the voters who gave President Trump the White House in 2016, those voters are horrified, outraged, by at least two of the main planks of the Democrat Party of today. The Democrat Party running this 2020 election. They're horrified by the idea that the left has abandoned our southern border. That their, their border policy is open the border, let it all go. In fact, we had Alan West on the show last week, uh, yeah, last week, where he was saying, if the Democrats don't want to have an enforceable border, which is what they're saying, if they're saying, Beto said, knock on all the fences, all the walls, let them all in. And Elizabeth Warren's saying, yeah, don't even, it shouldn't even be a crime to enter America. Just let them come on in. These people are abandoning the border. If you abandon the border, what the heck is the country you're running to be president of? If it's not defined by borders you enforce, there's no country. So back to this survey, MIT guy says, Heartland America hates the border policy of the left, which is abandon the borders. They think it's insane. They also hate the, Amer the left-wing idea of socialized medicine, or as they try to call it, Medicare for all. You know, everyone's gonna be under Medicare. It's gonna be great, we'll take care of everyone. 
Heartland America is much smarter than Democrat policymakers and Democrat politicians because they know perfectly well that Medicare for all will destroy the best health care system on earth. It has destroyed Canada's system. It's destroyed the UK system. We hear story after story after story, and they don't want it here. And I'm telling you, folks, the Democrats have nothing else to run on. They have no, nothing else to run on. All they can think of is more left-wing ideas, more extremism. Let, and they have let all the illegal aliens come in. As a matter of fact, let them vote and give them free health care and free education. This is a, they can't think of anything that would actually allow America to stay together as a sovereign nation. What the left is doing is pushing the destruction of America itself. And heartland voters in America get this. Thank God. And now I want to turn my very fine friends to tell you why these stories we talk about every day and why the stories we talked about today, why these stories matter to you. Black leaders melt the White House and they did. Honestly, you'll get teary if you listen to these um, clips, but nothing rattles the left more than the threat of black Americans leaving the Democrat Party. Turning Point USA and Candace Owens lit brush fires of freedom in the hearts of many black Americans. President Trump honored their bravery. You heard that clip. It was, I mean, he sounded like his voice was, it was uh, shaking. One result of the Young Black Leadership Summit at the White House, an Ethiopian native raised in America offered a heart-melting prayer for President Trump with a call for all Americans to wake up and return to love of God and country to watch it, go to my website, americakemitalk.org, on the homepage under shows, click on list of links. You can listen to the whole sweet press conference. Next, the Trump agenda explains impeachment. Trump is being hassled by the left pushing impeachment because of what his agenda says and is, and it's the agenda the American people wanted. He ran on a specific agenda, and he's acting on it. The mainstream uh, media narrative, Trump never thought he would win. It was a lark. It was bogus, bogus. Trump had an agenda at the time he was running, and he's doing it now. Revitalizing the American middle class through manufacturing reset, which was tariffs, tax cuts, deregulation, border security. These resonate with the American people, but threaten the globalist investors, the socialist ambitions, and the deep state control of our government. Barr and Durham are getting close to the jugular of full-scale exposure of the coup. The impeachment charade is Mueller hoax 2.0. It is the attempt to build a squirrel dumpster fire to distract from Barr-Durham when it becomes public what the people did, what the coup was. Third, P Peggy and Mitt unhinged, a brilliant columnist and a Reagan speechwriter, now sees Trump as simply too uncouth to be in the ruling class elite company. She's the female counterpart of Senator Romney. The abuses of American government power by Obama and his leftist cabal, like the Russia-Trump collusion hoax and the failure of our own U.S. institutions to stop it, it either isn't seen by them or it doesn't count in their world. Trump's brawling style matters more to them than the great things he's doing. Noonan and Romney have no idea how broad and deep Trump's support is among Americans who want the swamp drained because they can't see the swamp or worse, maybe they are swamp dwellers. 
And finally, 2020, we the people saving America. The mainstream media has failed America. Too many are Democrat propagandists. The FBI, DOJ failed America. They concocted a plot, fabricated evidence, and lied to Congress and the American people to interfere in and control an election. The vast majority of elected officials have failed America through cowardice. They fear the Beltway media more than they fear or know the American people. Too many Christian leaders, pastors, ministers, priests have, for the most part, failed America. They've been deceived and overwhelmed by militant leftists intent on destroying the traditional family, border security, and individual freedom. We the people are the only force left that can save America. And folks, on that final segment of the show today, I want to make that point again. 2020 is going to come down to the ability of we the people to speak up for this country, to point out the lies of the mainstream media, the lies of the left, frankly, the lies of many in the ruling elite class. It's going to come down to us fighting to preserve this precious, extraordinary country, which is America, the, the country I talk about every day on the show. I do the show to talk about for the, for the mission to urge everyone to get on board, to get in the fight, to preserve America, the most extraordinary experiment in human liberty ever to bless this earth. I talk about America because America matters. Talk to you next time. America, can we talk truth about America?